Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you very much leading us in worship today. Appreciate you very much. Appreciate all of you being here and being present and accounted for, whether it's here or online. If you're online, if you're with us, give us a thumb up, thumbs up, a, a, a hey, how are you? I'm here, shout. Let us know that you're alive. Let us know that you're well, right? All right, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. I have a confession to make. Yeah, don't, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I have a confession to make. Um, I got out of order. I got ahead of myself last week, and I, and I jumped into the brazen altar before I forgot to talk about the gate. It's really important to get things in order, amen? Order is important. It's important. Um, just ask my boys, because uh, this week I had this hankering for caramel apple. How many of y'all like caramel apples? It's fall. It's that time of year. I love a good caramel apple. And I, I like more the caramel sauce that you can dip because the caramel apple doesn't have enough caramel on it. I want to take my finger, my hand, and just dip the apple in there in such a way that the caramel covers most of my hand. And that way you lick it going up the hand. And then, y'all, come on now. Don't look at me like y'all are prim and proper in everything you do. I, I know how it is. I know how it is. Well, I decided to make some caramel sauce. I had all of the ingredients. I thought it was going to be great. But I was a little distracted in, in all the other things that I was trying to get done at the time. So I, I had all the ingredients. Had every, I had the butter and the brown sugar and the cream and the vanilla and all that good stuff. But I put it in in the wrong order. And I melted the butter and I did some other stuff before I put the sugar in and let the sugar really melt and, and really get down. So the caramel sauce ended up a little bit less sauce and more crunchy. Caramel sauce isn't supposed to be crunchy. <laughs> so it's important to get things in the right order. Amen? We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's by the blood of the Lamb first, which then brings in the word of our testimony. And that calls us to be an overcomer. Everybody say amen to that. All right. Uh, as you're turning to Psalm chapter 100, we're going to read it in, in its entirety. That's a whole five verses. Can you all handle that? All right, good, good. Y'all about to scare me. You were a little quiet there at first. Um, but before I get there, I do want to make uh, a couple of announcements. The first announcement is, is, is that we will be having a, another worship night service. I know it's been kind of prolonged and, and a lot of COVID and all kinds of crazy stuff that's been happening. But we are going to do this once again in the very first Sunday night of October, October the 4th. Is that right? That's what it ended up being October the 4th at 5 o'clock. So we're going to have another night of, of worship and prayer. And really, that's the main objective. It's, it's to come in. It's to be in His presence. It's to worship Him. It's to, it's to really just sit at His feet and love on God for a little bit. And I've often found in my own life, when you do that, it is like you have positioned yourself in a way where you can then receive from God. You put yourself in proper, proper position when you worship to receive from God. It's like, uh, it's like you've, you're getting all of that other stuff that doesn't really matter out of your heart and out of the way, and you've made your heart good soil. And you've, that's why we put worship at the beginning, right, uh, of our worship service on Sundays. So October the 4th, 5 o'clock, we will have a worship night service here. Also, um, I've been doing something special, and it's been a little bit secretive, and I can't really let everybody in on it. It's only those that are hungry to see God move, all right? So, having that been said, right after service, immediately after service, I need to see all of those that are wanting to see God to move 
in, in a really cool way. All of those that are prayer warriors, you love to pray, you like to pray, you want to see God move through prayer. I need to see you real quick after service. It won't take very long, but I need to see you real quick. And I'm going to invite you in on doing something that I have been doing now for a couple of three weeks and been seeing some really cool things happen with that. So uh, I know I like being secretive. I like, I like y'all looking at me going, what are you? That's a really cool thing from my perspective. Uh, <laughs> scratch your neighbor's head, would you? <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Psalm 100. So real quick, after service, I need to see you just four or five minutes. Can't be too long because i got to get the chicken. All right. All right. Psalm 100. So yes, today we're going to be talking about the gate. The gate to the tabernacle. The gate technically to the outer court because there's actually three there's three gates. The outer court gate, there's the, the gate that goes into the tabernacle or the holy place. And then there's the gate or the veil we know of that goes into the most holy place. Uh, we're not going to talk about all of them, but we will talk about the very first one here today. Uh, Psalm 100, if you got it, say, I got it. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. See, that's not just a preacher thing. That's a biblical thing, right? Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. Man, there's a lot of times I need to know that. Not my situation. Not my circumstance. Not what I feel like at times. Because I ain't going to lie to you. I've had a wrestling match this week. I've wrestled this week. I, I have been down in the dirt I have in the middle of the night. I have wrestled. That ca- my couch doesn't look the same because I've flipped over it two or three times. I have wrestled a lot spiritually this week, but I think there's a reason. Actually, I know there's a reason for that. And in the end, we're going to know this, that even, in, even as bad as the wrestling may seem, know the Lord that He is God. Amen? It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good and His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations father we love you we thank you we give you glory for this word lord this word that reminds us of who you are and who we are in you thank you god lord i praise you for the wrestling match that i've had this week because in the midst of the wrestling i have drawn closer to you satan we're still here (laughs) devil we haven't given up yet we are still here We're still worshiping. We're still praising. We're still expecting. We're still knowing. We're still believing. We're still listening. We're still here praying. We're still here expecting God to move in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our homes, in our workplaces. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit speak to us. Speak in amazing ways today. Dig down deep into our heart. Get rid of some of the stuff and the junk that I, need get rid, that I need to get rid of. Move in our hearts in a very special way. Amen. 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 So yes, I got a little bit out of order. They do tie really closely together. But just to kind of get us set up and get us ready to dive into the gate there, the, the very first gate. Many of you probably remember the, the outline, the diagram of the tabernacle. It's been up for a couple of times, so I'm not going to pull that up for sake of time. But uh, Mr. Eli, can you look down there and look at the pictures? Can you put up that very first picture of the gate? There we go. There's the very first. It is a replica of what the gate might have looked like. They do not know exactly they know the exact colors of it, but they do not know the exact, maybe if there was a figure on it or, or some kind of, uh, of, of like there's a, a little star in the center there and some, some lines and some stars on the outside. It might not have looked exactly like that. We don't know that for sure, but we do know that there were certain colors in there. We're going to go into that in just a minute. But yes, at the very beginning, 
There is that gate. You've got this outer fence that was white and had to be white all the way around. And as it's all the way around, it points to the one gate that was full of color that you had to enter into by that gate. Go ahead and hit the next one, Brother Eli. There he is. There's the the high priest welcoming those into that very first gate. Um, I know that this is probably a replica for two or three reasons. Number one, the high priest there is wearing sandals with socks. There is no way a holy man would ever wear sandals with socks. Right? Right? But another way is, is that there is actually... Uh, I believe a ministry in Texas that uh, that has and carries around with them takes certain places a replica of the tabernacle one in which some of you a few years ago now have actually been a part of our church you got to go to Crossgate Church to to see and walk through that tabernacle it's been many moons ago now but um, but but this is kind of a, a replica or a representation of what maybe that gate looked like but you have that entire white fence all pointing to that gate all pointing to that gate the main point is that we are all called to be worshipers every single one of us that's a call that's what we're created to be we're created to be worshipers and not just worshipers of just anything in any way but we are called to be worshipers to specifically worship our God in a specific way. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean style. That's not what I'm talking about because I know some people's styles are a little different. Some people like this kind of music or that kind of song or this kind of service or that kind of service or this kind of church or that kind of church. The, the style I'm not talking about, but the way I am. And the way being Jesus Christ. Okay? Jesus Christ. We'll go deeper into that in just a second. But, but Jesus is actually calling showing us that that's what we're called to do and called to be by first witnessing to this woman at the well we found in John chapter 4 we've already been there we don't have to go there but you see how he approaches this woman at the well that is actually uh, someone who should not be a true worshiper by definition of the religious legality of the system of that day. They, they looked at the Samaritans. They looked at those people like they did not deserve to be worshipers. They did not deserve to be the true worshipers of the living God. That, that was only reserved for them and their holy temple. And that's why there was this this discourse between her and Jesus about where's the true place to worship and is it there, is it here, where's the best building, is it there, is it here. Jesus is kind of moving past all of that and he says that the hour has come and now is where true worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And he says something really cool with that that we miss if we don't really understand the context of what we're talking about. He says the Father seeketh such to worship him see the father i told you they were looked at as not the true children of god and jesus shows up to her and says the father is calling you the father is calling out for you you are a child of god whether you realize it or whether you don't whether you feel like it or whether you don't i'm here to tell you and open up a brand new way for you so that you may know that as a child you are to be called not just a child of anything you're not a child of a circumstance you're not a child of a, of a situation you're not a child of your past you're not a child of your mess ups you're not a child of your of, thank God not even just your family right <laughs> but you're a child of the living God no matter what it is you feel like this is what your true calling is to be you're a child of the living God Jesus came to present the heart of a father to a world of orphans that's what we became that's how we became to be in the kingdom of God he adopted us in and there's one thing you can absolutely say about adoption is that it is on purpose and it was done in a way where you know beyond the shadow of a doubt you were wanted you might not have been wanted at some point in time but a higher authority and a higher power stepped in and said I want you you're part of this family you're a part of me now whatever I have you have Jesus tells 
heard that the father, the father, you hear that? Someone who should not be and yet is. The father, which means worship, should speak of relationship. You realize that you are able to worship based on the relationship that he has with you and that you have with him. He says, and the Father seeks. What a, what a strange way to say this. It's almost like you would think that God has set himself up to go after something that he might want. Do you realize that even though God is, is rich in heaven, there's still something that he wants and something he desires? Something that he wants. Not, not that he needs to exist, but something that he desires and that he wants. Something he takes great pleasure in. I'm going to continue with the food analogy just because I'm hungry this morning, okay? We all know we need bread and water to exist, right? There are certain, you know, even, even the, well, now we, if you're on keto, I guess you don't need bread either. But, but the doctors give us this food pyramid and they say there are these certain things and nutrients and, and stuff that you need. But in that, how many of you believe that there is one spot there at the top that says the fats and oils, you just need a little bit sparingly of it. But that's not what everybody really wants, Right? What you want is something that you are desiring, something you're craving, something that you want that brings you great joy. Brussels sprouts doesn't do it. No, it doesn't. You're a bunch of crazy people. I'll pray for you. All right. Broccoli only does it if it's covered in cheese and ranch dressing. All right. Certain things don't really do it. You're supposed to. But, you, but it doesn't really do it. But, but throw a donut down or cake down or cheesecake down or throw some chocolate down and every one of you would be like, more I desire that. Throw a fresh baked peach cobbler down and put a big dollop of vanilla ice cream on top of it. And that's where we go, yeah, that's what we are after. That's what we want right there where it's still hot. And, and in a way, God's a little bit of the same thing where he says, listen, we don't, he doesn't have to have us to exist. But he takes incredible pleasure in us. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. Because I look at myself and go, why me? <laughs> but I am so glad he does. I'm so glad that he has created me for that relationship. He's creating, he says that he's seeking for that. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. Eli's going to pull that up for us. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. His eyes are he's seeking, he's looking. God is desiring something. He says in another passage of Scripture that if you trust Him with all your heart, if you, if you come to Him with all, He said He'll give you the desires of your heart. It's not that He gives you everything that you want, but it's that you are fully in the will of God when you've placed your whole heart in Him so that you're not going to truly desire anything outside of His will. That's why, that way it is God's good pleasure to give you every single desire of your heart because your desire and his desire have perfectly lined up and it does so through worship not just any kind of worship because hey we live in a very pluralistic society we live in a very pluralistic society that basically is moving in the direction if it's not already mostly there moving in a direction that celebrates that you can just quote unquote worship whatever and whoever you want we live in a society that is celebrating that, that you don't have to do it any certain way. And again, I'm not talking about style. And I'm not talking about the denominational name that's over your door. I'm talking about the way, the truth, and the life. The one made, given to us by God Himself. But we live in a way that says, oh, that's narrow-minded. Just, just worship however you want and just be basically good to people and then it'll all iron out. But here's the problem with that. Here's the problem with that. 
Who defines what is basically good? That can be twisted in any... You realize that Adolf Hitler did something that he thought was basically good for the earth? Good for him, good for his way? And we all look back at that and go, Ooh, that's horrible! You realize that there are certain people with certain twisted mentalities that will self-justify anything and say, Basically, this is good for me? You know what? I have decided that it is basically good for me to get wherever I'm going a lot faster than everybody else. So I'm going to not obey street laws. I'm not going to obey speed limits. I'm not going to obey the, 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 the stop signs or the yield signs or the red lights. I'm not going to obey, obey any of that. I don't have to because I've got my own way to do things. And I, it's okay because I'm going to be basically good enough to be able to hopefully get there in my own way. And if everybody thought that, what happens? <laughs> this is hot springs. Y'all know what happens, right? The traffic out there. That's what happens. Mess ups happen. Wrecks happen. Things happen. It doesn't work that way. There must be some kind of moral code and moral conduct. There must be kind of some kind of moral center that says, this is what's good. Jesus said it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And he boiled it all down to that. Later on, he tells his, he tells his disciples... If you love me, keep my commandments. So if there is going to be a goodness somewhere, we must realize that there must be some kind of moral center that defines that goodness, and that goodness can only be defined by somebody who has a morality much greater and bigger than mine. Because there have been times that I have justified my lack of morality and made it morality in my own heart and in my own mind. I know, okay, y'all are holier than me, and that's okay. But I've done that. And I'm self justified. Self justification is a powerful tool by the enemy in this world. Self righteousness, narcissism, where religion is through my viewpoint and worship is through my viewpoint only. See, we, we, we're, we're working from the wrong way. We've got to work this, this worship thing from God's way down, not our way up. God has set this straight by saying, in spirit and in truth, that truth means you're fully, whole, your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole body, your whole soul, your, all your strength. You love the Lord your God truly, not halfly. Well, I've got parts of my heart and I hold back, and parts of my strength I hold back, and parts of my life I hold back, and I do it my way. I do that, that part my way in the dark where nobody sees. But when I come to the light and I come here in church, woo, I, do it, I do it God's way. But God's saying, that's not what I want. He's telling this, Jesus is telling this woman, that's not it. You came to me at noonday for a reason. That the sun is going to expose the truth in your life. That's why he tells her, you've been off track for a little while now. You're really off track with what love and, and, and morality really is. You're off track. But come to me. And I'll put you back on track. Worship in truth. Worship spiritually. Worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit is, is the fact that Galatians 5.16 says, you got that for me, Brother Eli? Galatians 5.16 says, so if you walk after the Spirit, you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh. Which means this. The spiritual part of life should be what drives your life. We were just talking earlier about driven, being driven. Sometimes I feel pushed more than driven. Amen? <laughs> being driven. 
being driven about something, that that is what uh, uh, that underlying in your heart and in your mind, that's what pushes you, drives you, doesn't let you quit whenever you want to quit. You're going to get fixated and focused on it, and you're going to bring it past. You're gonna, how many of you know a driven person that when they, have, when they sit down on it and they bite into something like a bulldog, they'll shake it until that thing dies, right? Go ahead, look at your neighbor. Go ahead, laugh at him, whatever you got to do. We all know somebody like that. And at certain times, I, I can be like that in certain things. I can be just as stubborn as anybody in certain things. But what Jesus is saying to her is that let the spiritual part of life drive your worship. Drive your life. He says it in another way. Put your treasures in heavenly things, not in earthly things. That you need to make your decisions in life first based on the spiritual side of life. That's why we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. You're driven. There's, there's a beat that you're marching to that is a different beat than what the rest of the world is marching to. Why the rest of the world says just worship whatever you want, any way you want, however you want. God says, no, my beat is to worship the way, the truth, and the life. And if you march to my beat and worship to my beat, you'll get a whole lot further in life than what you think. Because I am the one that has defined life in the first place. I'm the one that has defined reality in the first place. I'm the one that gives the, the life to you. I'm the one that blew life into Adam. If there's anybody that knows what life truly should be about, it's the one who created life in the first place. That's why we come to Him and do it His way. I know, I know this thing's a little dogmatic and narrow-minded, but we're going to get to that because all of this points to the gate. The gate. This gate that's found in the wilderness. Maybe you realize we're in a wilderness right now. If you don't believe me, go to Walmart on Albert Pike. We're in a wilderness right now. The, 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 we, we should not be looking at the world and scratching our head going, what a crazy world. Duh. It's been crazy for thousands of years. Why are we surprised now? It's always been crazy. Ever since Adam and Eve fell and brokenness came in, the world and the world systems are broken at best. They are broken. They may last for a while but every idol made by hands will tarnish. It will crumble. It will fall. It cannot stand. Ask anybody who builds in a hurricane zone. It's going to fall. It's going to crash. It's going to take damage. It's not meant to last forever. It's meant to appease and please you for a moment. Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we are like a tent. Our body is like a tent in this world. And do you know in the wilderness that was called the tent of meeting? But he says he moves us on to, a, to a, another passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians where he says not only are we a tent, but we're actually called to be a greater tent by, by being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Which means we're not just some average tent floating out there in the breeze we are meant to be a meeting place our heart our mind our spirit our soul is meant to be a meeting place with god he created us for that just as every baby is born and needs to be fed and taken care of so we are born having a need the cliche is, is we're all born with a God-shaped hole in our heart, right? Well, the truth is, is we're all born with, yes, a hole in our life, a void in our life. But that's where grace comes in, to fill the void and fill the deficit. And when he fills the deficit, we're reborn, born again into his kingdom to be what he's called us to be. So the keys to learning how to worship God is found in seeking the way it was done in that Old Testament tabernacle. And we talked last week about the sacrifice because it is 
required by God to have a sacrifice to meet with him. And it sounds a little bit harsh, and it would sound more harsh if he hadn't come to be the sacrifice for us. He's come. It would be one way. It would be one thing if he said, nah, it's unreachable. Ha ha, I'm going to dangle it in front of you. I'm going to dangle true peace and true joy in front of you, and you'll never get it. Ha ha. But he didn't do that. He came and let joy and peace be in the place of my brokenness. And anytime we talk about an altar, we're talking about a great exchange, an exchange that happens. And that exchange happens when we lay down our death and we pick up his life. That's why Jesus, when he came and did what he did on the cross, what he did is he made a great exchange. He took on my death so that I could take his life. Somebody said, that ain't fair. But it's favor. It's favor. Aren't you glad God's not fair? He's way above fair. He's just. And He's righteous. Which means everything He does is justified from a higher level and a higher plane. And it's done so in a good way or a righteous way. And it would not be fair for me to receive grace. But He doesn't operate by just fairness because a lot of times I define fairness based on what I think is fair. Y'all okay? Y'all looking at me like we're swimming. and Y'all okay? Y'all know what I mean. I don't care how holy you think you are. There are times in your life you want something. You want a fair. This ain't fair. Right? I've been serving God for 185 years. And this newcomer who just comes in gets saved yesterday, he's already seen more miracles in his life than I have. That's not. Like y'all never thought about that maybe. Why do they? Why, do, why does that man prosper when I know he's dirty, rotten scoundrel? Here I am trying to live right and do right and be holy and be just and, and do what the Word of God says and live this life according to God. And this dude over here, he's crazy in the world and he, I feel like he's more blessed than I am. That's the 15th new truck he's had this year. I'm still driving a jalopy from 42 years ago. But the good news is I can put an antique tag on it. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> now, we all have this sense of what's fair and what's right and what's just and what's not. And if we're not careful, we make our judgment based on all those around us, not based on a holy God. I'm, I'm, I'm okay because I'm not that bad. Right? I'm okay because I, I know what so-and-so did the other day. And if you want to know, psh, come behind the, the bushes and I'll tell you secretly. But don't tell anybody else, right? As long as I'm a little better than that person, then, then that's okay. I'm all right because that's fair. I'm even glad God doesn't judge like that. But he looks at all of us and realizes... It's not about fairness, it's about favor. And his favor falls on us, even though the enemy says, that's not fair. The accuser of the brethren stands before the right-hand side of us as we approach the throne, accusing us, saying, it's not fair for him to enter the kingdom of heaven, Lord. Because he was a dirty, rotten sinner. Let me pull up all the times that he did some things that you know would not be right. Let me pull up all the things that he did whenever no one else was looking. Let me pull up all the thoughts that were really deeply rooted down inside of his heart or in his mind. Let me, let me pull up all the things in which he struggled with. Let me pull up all the stuff. And you're going to say before the living God that that is holy and that's deserving of the kingdom of God. And God looks at us not based on who we were, but based on who we are in the blood of the Lamb. That was poured out for me and poured out for you. There's an old nursery rhyme. Why are nursery rhymes so creepy? I don't know. But there's an old nursery rhyme that says, Humpty Dumpty. Now, I have no idea how a horse is going to fix an egg. Right? But all the king's horses and all the king's men could not 
put Humpty Dumpty together again. And the nursery rhyme, as creepy as it is, falls short, just like our life falls short outside of the Jesus Christ. And as it falls short, we know that men in this world can't put us together again. But the nursery rhyme left out the king. The king can. Joe Vitale, who is a Christian apolo apologist, was talking about the meaning of the cross. And that's the meaning of the cross. Is to put your brokenness back together. He allowed himself to be broken. To put your brokenness back together. And make this exchange at an altar. There's actually a law to an altar found in Exodus 20, 24. Exodus 20, 24 says, it gives us the law of the altar. And it says, an altar of earth you shall make for me and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen in every place where I record my name. I will come to you and I will bless you. It is by the first move of God towards us that we have hope. It was by God's design to put a tabernacle in the wilderness in the first place. Because he wanted there to be a beacon of hope in the middle of a wilderness. And he says, I want you to build this altar on every place I record my name. Some translations say, make my name known. Every place that I record my name. My personal opinion, take it for what it's worth. My personal opinion is, is this is what Jesus was writing in the sand. He was writing the name. Why? Because there were a lot of stones that were meant to kill a lady caught in adultery. But Jesus was not going to allow that to happen there. So he records his name as if to say that that death can go no further and that all of the stones that were meant to kill her are actually going to turn into an altar where she is going to find life. And that's where he looks at her and says, where are your accusers? She says, none. It was an exchange. It was a meeting place where he looks at her and takes on her sin and gives her life and says, now go. And sin no more. You can't go and sin no more unless Jesus has given you power to do so. In the sand, he's writing, Jehovah Jireh, I will provide for you a way in this wilderness. I will provide. I write my name in the sand and the enemy can go no further. This is the reason, this way of worship this sacrifice that you're to be brought to has to be done by only one way. There's only one way to get to the brazen altar. There's only one way to get to this sacrifice. There's only one way to get to this exchange. There's only one way to see this work. John chapter 4 and 6. I'm sorry, 14. John 14 and 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says in John 10, 9-16, I'm the door. I'm the gate. I'm that way. And again, a lot of people who are thinking narcissistically about God would look at this and go, ooh, that's narrow-minded. To just make it all one way? Why can't we just do it? And we've already kind of covered that. Why can't we do it any way we want to do it? Because do you know what kind of jumbled up mess that would be? What kind of jumbled up mess truth would be if we all got the opportunity to define truth in our own way? I want to go to my doctor and tell him, no. I know by your definition my cholesterol is high, but not by my definition. And he could look at me and go, all you want to, buddy. 
But at some point in time, you're going to meet. You're going to meet a place where your strength is going to fail. Keep going the way you're going and you may meet it faster. There's going to be a time in which my truth is going to be tested to its entirety. And it's going to be facing something that everybody else has always had to face. It's something that you can't sweep under the rug forever. It's a time in which your strength will fail. And it is at that time where your truth will be tested. Now, if it is truth based on who your surrounding, what your surroundings are, what you feel like it is, your definition, then it itself will fail too. But if it's based in the truth of the one that lives forever, then it will be able to pass through whatever I have to face. To me, and I may be, I may be off my rocker, and you know, it's okay. By the, t- by the way y'all look at me, most of the time I am. But to me, making it one way is not cruel. It's making it easy for us to find. If I had a million dollars and I said, here in this building somewhere is a check for a million dollars. Go for it. However way you want to go, just find it. Go. Now, how many of y'all be like, quit preaching, Pastor? We got. That would be one thing. And it's a whole nother level for me to hold up the million dollar check and wave it in front of you and say, if you want a million dollars, come and get it. It's right here. And for all of you that were in the bathroom or for all of you that's trying to figure out how, your, how, how life fits into all this, I stand up here on the altar and I go, it's right here. Which way is more generous? It's easy in our own selfish way of looking at things to say, God, that's kind of narrow. Why would you say this is the only way? When what God is trying to say, see it from my viewpoint. And from God's viewpoint up there looking down here is I want everybody to get it and so if i want everybody to get it i'm going to make it one way and not only am i going to make it one way i'm going to point i'm going to raise it up high and i'm going to put all of the signs pointing that direction it's not as narrow-minded as we may think There's one gate into the tabernacle. One way. Jesus says if you try to jump the gate any other way, then you're a thief. Why would he say such harsh things like you're a thief? What do you mean? It means you're trying to get out of it only what you want. You're trying to do it only your way. I'm going to close with this passage of Scripture and then a little story. Go to Exodus chapter 27, verse 16. This gives you a description of that door. For the gate of the court, there shall be a screen 20 cubits long, about 30 feet, woven of blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine woven linen, made by a weaver. Made by a weaver. Everybody say, by a weaver. Are you a weaver? No, just kidding. That was. And it shall have. Some of y'all get that later. Let's explain it to them later. Uh, it shall have four pillars, and on those four pillars, four sockets. There's this gate at the very beginning. It's woven with fine linen, something that's precious. But it's woven together by, by, by a skilled craftsman, not just by any old thing. You don't want to come to me and let me sew your pants back together, okay? One leg will be three times shorter than the other but by somebody who knows what they're doing, put it together. 
This speaks of what it says in the Old Testament that I formed you. In fact, the scripture says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I wove it together. And when you weave it together, there is this blue which represents the divinity in Hebrew culture. The purple which represents royalty in that culture. And the scarlet which represents the blood. Is there anyone that we know of that was a king from heaven that gave us his blood? All three woven together from before time ever began, before the foundation of the world, this was set forward. Anybody you know of? That's why. That's why it says in Acts chapter 3, with Evan, if you can come and close with a story. That's why it says in Acts chapter 3 that there was a man who was lame from his mother's womb. That represents the fact that we've all had our lameness and our brokenness exposed in this life. We all struggle. We all wrestle. We all have our shortcomings. I realize that. Everybody loves to quote that passage of Scripture, right? All of sin and fallen. Y'all know it. You quoted it. Why? Because it makes you feel better. <laughs> it puts us all on the same playing field. Right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what does the next verse say? How many of you have memorized what the next verse says? But being justified freely by Him and His amazing grace. And this lame man who was laid daily at a gate called Beautiful. This lame man who, by no fault of his own, can only go so far. And that strength that he has and that connections that he has with his family, that can only take him so far. And all the connections and the strength we have in this world, it can only take us so far. Far enough to be able to see inside the gate, but not strong enough to get in there in our own strength. And the crazy thing is, is Jesus has passed by this man quite a few times already because Jesus has been to this temple, been to this area. In fact, one of the times, both times, he, he overthrew the money-changing tables. He probably walked almost right beside this man that was laid there daily at this gate. Why? Why did Jesus do it this way? Because he knew that there was going to be a movement of his name that was going to reach every lame person in this world. Those that look unto Him and call upon Him. Because one day, as He was laid there, expecting to get just enough to survive for another day, holding up His cardboard sign that says, we'll crawl for food. And He looks at Peter and John, this lame man, and He says, alms, and Peter and John, who you know were preachers because they were broke. Look at him and say, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give to you. And then they could have said, get up any way you want to. They could have looked at him and said, just try your best. Come on, you can do it. Just roll around and flop around until you feel it. Just fake it until you feel it, right? Because that's the religious way of doing it. But they didn't do it that way. Why? Because that's not the way to get into the beautiful gate. That's not the way. Peter and John looked at him and said, But in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Rise up and go into the gate. Go into the place where you have been outside for so many years, for so long. 
Not in your own strength or in your own connections, but in the strength of the one that died for you and in the strength of your connection to a holy and perfect God. May your feet and your legs gain the strength that they need. Rise up and come in and relate to God. He's waiting on you. Rise up through the gate you go in the name of Jesus. And it is only by the strength in the name of Jesus that we can go where we're created to be. True worshipers in spirit and in truth. Meeting with Him in the secret place. Having complete life, joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. It's the only way Apostle Paul says to know the fullness of God. It's because the fullness of God came down and dwelled as flesh. And when he died, his flesh ripped open. The veil ripped open too. As if to say, I'm not just pointing the way. I am the way. Would you stand? How many of you give God praise for the name of Jesus? I've come to a point where I'm at the end of my strength. Now I need His. I've gone as far as I can go, laid outside the gate. It looks beautiful from here, but I sure would like to get in there. I sure would like to enter in that land of promise. I sure would like to enter in all of the promises that He has for me. Promises of life and joy and abundance and glory and love and peace. I sure would like to enter into that. But I'm laying here. And I've got all of these things and all of these excuses that tell me and show me why I can't get in there. And Jesus today is showing up in your life to tell you He eradicates through His blood every single weakness every single excuse every single void he eradicates it all through the blood of jesus and makes a way for you as we worship would you just lay down before the feet of jesus your needs would you lay down before the feet of jesus your needs your weaknesses and do this God's way and come to Him in spirit and in truth and worship the name of Jesus. Worship. Jesus. 
Jesus, God with us. The Worship him for another moment. Beautiful Jesus, God he made that gate stand out. He made it beautiful so that everyone would be drawn to that. There is no life that has more beauty than Jesus Christ's life. Because he said, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Isaiah chapter 9 says that he will be called Emmanuel. He'll be God with you. And you shall call him the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Four names. You realize that this gate hung on four pillars. To prove that He is with you. God's got this all figured out. He's just asking you to come. Come His way. Come do it through Jesus. Father, if there's anybody here today that needs to do it Jesus' way, then I pray, Lord, that they lay their heart down, that they bring their heart unto repentance to you today and say, God, I'm sorry for all the ways that I've tried to do it. 
Lord, I've tried to drown it out with, with alcohol or, or, or stuff I don't need to put inside my body. I've tried to drown it out with, with hurting my own flesh or I've allowed this or that to take control of me. Today I come to you, Jesus, fully, completely. Lay my life down because that gate pulls me right to the altar where you laid your life down for me. And as I lay my life down, I pick up your life and I follow you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. If you love him, say amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, I still love you. God bless you, every single one of you. Don't forget, I'm going to have a real brief meeting with all of those that want to do something special for God, something special for his kingdom, prayer warriors, real quick, after service, not five or ten minutes. I love you. Come join us Wednesday night for a study in the book of Revelation. We love you. God bless you. Thank you so much. We'll see you later. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.